What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson, and today we're obviously going to preview tomorrow's matchup of Miami versus the Chargers, big rookie quarterback uh, premier matchup. It's one that a lot of people have had circled for quite some time, so I honestly cannot wait until Sunday gets here. But uh, we're going to start the show with a quick recap of the Las Vegas game. Usually I do a whole other podcast kind of dedicated to the recap to talk about it. But again, it was another week of there not being all that much to really talk about that's different from any of the past couple weeks, right? It was another uh, defensive mishap-filled game, um, penalties at the wrong time. Chargers losing again in frustrating fashion, heartbreak loss at the end, down to the very last play with that Donald Parham drop. I mean, there just wasn't a ton to go over that's not, I guess that would be in, in any way sort of enlightening. It's just another damn week with the same old, same old stuff. Uh, I just honestly didn't feel like it was really worth hashing over. Justin Herbert had another great game, obviously. Uh, 28 of 42, 326 yards, two touchdown passes. Kalen Balaj came out of nowhere to kind of lead the Chargers in all-purpose yards, aside from, obviously, Justin Herbert with 15 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown, as well as 15 yards receiving from two other catches. Um, Josh Kelly led the backfield in snaps, but Kalen Balaj held, uh, obviously, the, the higher marks in, in yardage and just overall production. Keenan Allen caught nine passes for 103 yards and one touchdown. He's now up to four touchdowns on the year. He's on pace to finally break that six-touchdown mark that he's had literally exactly six in the last three seasons. So, so good on him. Pass rush wasn't there, unfortunately, against the Raiders, who were also missing three of their starting offensive linemen. One sack from Jerry Tillery. It was a well-timed strip sack at the end of the, of the first half that the Chargers were able to capitalize. And, and instead of going into the half tied, they were able to have a 17-14 to 14 lead, which ultimately didn't matter because the defense fell apart once again in the third quarter obviously they lost 31 to 26 uh two goal line fades at the end i mean say what you want to say about it being an archaic inefficient play you threw it to two guys who have done nothing but make that catch so far this season obviously parham has two touchdowns mike williams has consistently caught that pass more so than he has not so i'm not upset about it yes they probably could have schemed something up a little more of a high efficiency play to keenan allen or something like that but it's not the worst idea because they weren't throwing it up to a six foot guy they weren't throwing it up to a guy who hasn't had success before right at catching jump balls like that so again i'm not terribly terribly upset about the choice but unfortunately that's just the way it came down another game where the chargers lost with a new way again you know you want to sit down a bunch of people and say, hey, everyone write a different way to potentially have the Chargers lose a game right. Uh, and they come up with 15 different ways. We're still working on that list, working down that list of 15 different ways or just new ways in general. So it was a bummer to say the least. Um, they're two and six now. Raiders are five and three. Um, I'm not sure if there's if at all, any chance for the Chargers to make the playoffs anymore. I think the idea of going on a run to finish the, the the year strong, I think is just way out of whack. I mean, unless they win seven of their next eight, go undefeated through the second half, that's the only way I can see this team possibly having a chance. If they go, you know, eight and eight, I'm not sure they, they make it unless there's a big collapse from the Raiders. You know, I, I just don't see it. And even with the Broncos in front of them, you know, three straight games in the AFC West to end the season is also not a good way 
to to try and come back from a bad start to possibly make the postseason as well. It's just going to be rough all the way through. Just a big, 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 big bummer in a season that a lot of us had high hopes for, especially, you know, Justin Herbert balling out the way he is. You would have liked to have the team capitalize on that early success in his career to potentially lead them to the playoffs. But Justin Herbert doesn't play defense. He doesn't handle clock management calls. Uh, He can only do what he can. And quite frankly, he's been successful in that facet. So it is what it is. Find the silver lining and just try to hold on to the positives. Uh, Going forward, let's go ahead and get into this week's matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So looking at the injury report to start things off, it is going to be another week without Joey Bosa. Unfortunately, he is still in the concussion protocol. Troy Main Pope um, has come out of the concussion protocol. He is questionable. Brian Bulaga is also questionable, but he was a full participant on Friday. Trey Turner was a full participant on Thursday and Friday. He is questionable. Again, Bosa and Justin Jackson is the other out for this week. Earlier in the week, Anthony Lynn said that we were probably going to rest Justin Jackson. Um, He didn't participate at all in practice the entire week, so like we all expected, he will not play. It's going to be Kelly Balaj and Troy May Pope. I hope they continue to give Balaj touches. I hope Tremaine Pope gets some touches just because he he seemed to add in a little bit of a spark in that run game. And unfortunately, I just don't think Josh Kelly is doing what he needs to 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 garner the amount of touches and carries that he's getting. You know, I think Pope and Balaj have shown to be better playmakers and just better at making something out of nothing so far this season. It's unfortunate for a guy who had a lot of success, obviously had the one of the first touchdowns of the season against the Bengals, but it's just it just hasn't worked out unfortunately and i don't think he's done for i don't think you know he's blown his chance of ever being anything with the chargers but as of right now uh, he just isn't it so uh for the dolphins they've got three guys questionable and that is it matt breda who would be the team starting running back with miles gaskin out he is questionable he went three practices being limited Jamal Perry, a cornerback, limited all week with a Friday full, questionable. And tight end Durham Smythe is questionable. He was a full uh, on Friday, but uh, he was dealing with a concussion. Uh, I don't think any of that stuff matters. Breda potentially being out is good. He's super fast. He's a missed tackle away from uh, scoring a touchdown, taking it to the house. So having a player like that not on the field, it would be perfectly fine with me. Um, again, going over um, some of the latest news, a lot of a lot of people thought when Balaj was demoted back to the practice squad that that was the team saying like we don't want him or, or don't think he's worth it or something like that. People were just whining about it, and people didn't understand that that's not what uh, happened there, right? They didn't demote him because they don't need him or anything like that. He was originally one of the extra two players brought up to play on Sunday against the Raiders, right? The 54th and 55, 55th guys, excuse me, that uh, are allowed this year. And so it's not like he was a permanent brought up to the to the uh, active roster, pardon me. Um, he was going to go back no matter what. And again, this week, he will be brought up. Anthony Lynn said on Friday that he for sure will be promoted and active on game day. With the new rules, you can only do that twice with somebody. And then you either have to promote them to the active squad or active roster like permanently, or uh, you got to let him go on waivers or something like that. So 
I think from this point on, Balazs will stay uh, with the active roster. I think that means potentially putting Joshua Kelly on the practice squad or Troy Main Pope back down, especially if Justin Jackson comes back. Um, I think Balage, especially if it's another good outing against his former team in the Dolphins, the team is going to keep him. Anthony Lynn said he thinks Balage is better than what he did and showed at the Jets with the Dolphins. So, uh, I, you know, I want to believe him. I want to believe that he can get the best out of Balage, who is a size, speed guy, 6'2", 230 pounds, can catch the ball just as well, um, needs to learn how to run behind his pads. And I think Anthony Lynn, being a former NFL running back, is the guy to unlock whatever potential uh, Kalen Balazs has deep within him. Uh, once again, Bosa out with a concussion. He was limited all week. He looked good. There was a video of him running around doing individual drills. I think next week for sure he's got to be back. If he's not, something else is going on. And then I'd actually start to worry. But it will be one more week without uh, Joey Bosa. Anthony Lynn said expect Jerry Tillery and Isaac Rochelle to handle the responsibility at the big end position this week. Finally, Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga might start a game together for the first time this season. At least I believe it's the first time this season. Uh, don't quote me on that. But as far as I know, Trey Turner played like, what was it, 81 snaps in the Chiefs game? And Bulaga, I think, may have started that game. Again, I'm not entirely sure. Regardless, they're going to be together for a rare occasion, potentially, starting together against the Dolphins. If that happens, finally, this offensive line will be as healthy as it possibly has been all season, right? The full health would have been Mike Pouncey starting at center still, but he's obviously out for the year. This is going to be potentially as healthy as the line has ever been in 2020, and it will be fantastic to see how much that... Uh, really helps out the run game, the pass protection, and stuff like that. It does help that, I believe, two of their defensive starters on the Dolphins, Christian Wilkins, their defensive tackle, former first-round pick, and Kyle Van Noy, a free agency guy they got from uh, the Patriots this offseason. They are both out because they're both on the COVID-19 list, so all of a sudden this defense looks a lot less intimidating. Those are two guys that are very versatile. Wilkins can do it all. Van Noy can honestly do it all as well. Blitzing, coverage, he was a big piece of that really elite New England Patriots defense last season. So, again, him being off the field is absolutely huge. I'm super, super excited about it. Now, uh, going into this Miami preview, so... Tua Tagovailoa has played two games for the Dolphins, started two games, and he's 2-0 in his career. That's just a bummer because Justin Herbert has played phenomenally, and he's still looking for his second NFL victory, right? It just kind of sucks that that's how it's gone. The, the Chargers defense hasn't been the Dolphins defense. The Dolphins defense and special teams units both have been huge. They've scored uh, two touchdowns on defense, one touchdown on special teams, and that's huge for a team that hasn't needed to score as much on offense. While the Chargers offense is literally the only way that this team is obviously going to score on a week-by-week -week basis. In two starts, um, Tua in his first game against the Rams threw for under 100 yards, had a touchdown in his past game against the Cardinals, which was a phenomenal game uh, start to finish. I think he threw for 248 two touchdowns, had a couple of good scrambles, avoiding pressure, extending plays, so it's going to be another one of those games for the Chargers defense having to chase around a mobile quarterback. Uh, but he's going up against Justin Herbert, a guy who's thrown for 2,146 yards through his first seven games, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, 19 total touchdowns if you count his two rushing scores. It's going to be a shootout. Eh, 
I don't know, not in the traditional sense as a, as a shootout, but I think this game's going to be roughly back and forth with each quarterback making a good play, um, one trying to outdo the other. I think it's going to be another close game. I think this is one where the defense for the Dolphins is missing a couple pieces. Do uh, Chargers are going to have enough success to kind of stay with them. But if this Chargers defense can't come together, man, and fluster Herbert, excuse me, Tua, the way that Rayshon Jenkins told us this week, as veterans, it's their job to fluster a rookie quarterback, right? Their job is to do that, you know? He didn't want to say, you know, disrespect him, saying, look, he's a rookie. We should be able to ball out against him, make him pay. Uh, but that's kind of what he was getting at, right? Like, we're facing a rookie. He needs to look like a rookie. If we make him look like not a rookie, like a veteran again, that then the defense isn't doing uh, their job. So um, that's what you want to hear from your veterans, though, right? You want your veterans to say, look, he's just a rookie. We're going to handle it. That's the mindset you should have. Obviously, take him seriously, but you should believe that you have what it takes as veterans to stop him, you know? Like, have some pride. Don't get beat by a rookie. I think that's what it comes down to, and that's the mindset that this team needs to have. Uh, finally, we're going to kind of run down my three keys to victory for a, a, a win over the Dolphins. Sorry, I'm like watching college football at the same time. I probably should not have it on right now. Uh, Virginia Tech's playing Miami. I hope you guys watched this game. Christian Darasaw, their left tackle is phenomenal. Might be a guy that the Chargers look into. So, But we're not talking about college football. We're talking about the Chargers. So uh, back on track, my three keys for a Chargers victory over the Dolphins. So number one, what I have is is the Bolts must have plenty of answers against pressure. Now, I feel good about this one because Justin Herbert's already been really good against pressure. He's been one of the top quarterbacks in terms of just passing yards against pressure. Uh, he hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions against pressure. You know, he's had a couple dumb interceptions where he thought he had a guy open. He thought it was a different read. Defense made a good play. But for the most part, it's not like he's throwing a bunch of bad passes and completions, turning the ball over against pressure. He's been good so far. So um, in terms of this key, the Dolphins went from being kind of what was a train wreck in 2019 to being one of the most surprising and aggressive teams in the NFL halfway through the season. And, and they've got a bunch of guys who aren't even really household names with their defensive line and their pressure, right? It's Shaq Lawson. It's Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, it's guys who have had okay success other places, but are by no means known as like superstars and guys you'd expect to have, you know, tons of sacks year in and year out. Uh, through the first half of the season, the Dolphins are actually number two in percentage of zero blitzes, which means blitzing the house, means that you're manned up on everyone who's going out for a route and sending everyone else. There's no safety help. There's no nothing like that. Uh, and they do that at 8.6% of their blitzes. And that's uh, the most, or excuse me, like I said, number two in that percentage. Um, it means that almost one in every 10 plays, they're sending the house. On a broader level, Miami is actually fifth in total blitz percentage at 36.2%. So a little over a third of their plays, they are sending extra pass rushers. They like getting after the quarterback and they've had a ton of success doing it. You look at how they were able to manhandle the Rams, like, holy cow. They made Jared Goff look like a JV quarterback. He was flustered. He didn't know what to do almost at any point during the game. Uh, that's been their success, their recipe uh, for success this season. The Dolphins have been 
especially successful when they get backed up into the red zone. So they may allow a decent amount of yards. Uh, what is it? They've allowed, I got the number right here. So their defense allows 384 yards per game. That's 22nd in the NFL. That's not great whatsoever. But they only allow 20.1 points per game, which is the fourth least in the entire NFL. So it means that when a push comes to shove, the pressure's on, they don't let opponents score touchdowns in the red zone. That is a good recipe for success as well. So not only do the Chargers have to have answers to all kinds of pressure, they have to find a way to flip the script with their negative tendencies on offense, which is being able to put the ball in the end zone when they get close. They've struggled with that. They haven't figured out how to just find the groove where, okay, we're at the 10-yard line. These are plays where uh, it's a high-efficient touchdown. You know, here we're, we're within the five. Here are a couple plays to scheme open a guy really easily. It's tough. And plus, when they're going to be sending all that pressure, they've got a pair of Pro Bowl cornerbacks on the back end in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So they can send the house and still feel confident that their corners can stick with their guys long enough for the defensive lineman in the pass rush to get to the quarterback. Secondly, second key, be ready for the inside run. Against the Raiders, if you guys saw that, I'm assuming you did, they could not stop the run whatsoever. It was tough, man. Even with, again, three backup offensive linemen playing, the Raiders kind of had their way with the Chargers front. It wasn't good. They signed defensive tackle Linval Joseph in the offseason to add a run-stopping presence to help that weakness of their defense. But it didn't automatically just fix everything because you realize with Joey Bosa out as well, those are your two best run-stoppers. And without them, you were left with Jerry Tillery, who's not a run-stopper, plain end. Cortez Broughton, Damian Square, Justin Jones are guys who are at defensive tackle aside uh, from Linval Joseph. And those guys aren't traditional run stoppers. Those are all penetrating three techniques. Those are guys who want to get up to the quarterback along the interior. So it wasn't a good week. The Dolphins actually lead the NFL in inside uh, run percentage at 81.4. They're going to run it early, often, start to finish between the tackles, and the Chargers have to be ready for this. Like I said earlier, they're without starting running back Miles Gaskin. They may be without Matt Breda. And they still got a good guy, a good veteran in Jordan Howard, who isn't like, you know, going to rack up the yards, but he's going to get the tough yards between the tackles, especially when they get close to the goal line. He's continues to find success there. But if Breda plays, like I said, he's a missed tackle away from taking one to the house early and often. So a team that has struggled with missed tackles, bringing ball carriers down on first contact, that is a guy to be worried about. Hopefully they're able to flip the script there. Number three, my third and final key to a victory over the Dolphins is simply that if there was a game to protect the ball, this is it. In Tua's first NFL start against the Rams, he didn't have to do all that much, and it's because of the defense and the special teams units were able to put up points. Each of them scored a touchdown in that game. On the year, the Dolphins have scored two defensive touchdowns and a single punt return. If you take those away, their average is roughly 25 points per game, which is the same as the Chargers. Despite the Chargers averaging almost 100 more yards of offense on a weekly basis, uh, the Dolphins have a plus five turnover differential mark while the Chargers are at negative three. The difference is efficiency in the red zone. The Dolphins don't apparently often make it to the red zone, but when they do, they're able to put it in. They're able to get seven and not have to walk away with three. And again, the Chargers have been scoring points, scoring yardages, and they're, they're not like 
turning the ball over all that much. It's just this defense can't seem to take it away on any sort of consistency. So again, a plus five mark, I think is fourth in the NFL. I'm looking at my notes correctly. It's up there as one of the best marks with the Chargers being near the bottom with a negative three. They're tied with a bunch of other player, or teams, but it's still one of the worst. It's just clear with how these teams win or how they lose in the Chargers case, that it's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to the Chargers flipping the script and, and changing their tendencies. I hope they can do it. If there's any week to do it, this is it. But that is it for today's show. Man, I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm honestly just excited. My mind is is going at a million miles a minute thinking of all the possibilities and what's going to happen in this game and, and what it could look like. Trying to keep positive. Trying to think that it's not going to come down to one score. That the Chargers end up losing. That there's not a muffed punt. There's not some form of little thing that's really easy to get done every single week not getting done because for whatever reason the Chargers just couldn't put forth the effort to to make it happen. I don't know. But anyway, guys, that does it for today's show. As always, I appreciate the love, the listens. Um, wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you can leave a review, five star, greatly appreciate it. Um, if you don't already, follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Check out all my written work at boltsfromthelude.com. That is Los Angeles Chargers SB Nation community and blog. We have a ton of fun over there. Uh, we're still working, adding things on a weekly basis. We're doing a weekly Q&A now. Um, where on Thursdays, I believe at, I want to say, noon Pacific, I go in and answer all your guys' questions for a solid hour. Anything you guys want to talk about, Chargers football or not, you will have me in there answering all of your questions and just in general having a great conversation about anything and everything. Well, with that being said, guys, once again, appreciate all the love. Tomorrow is going to be a ton of fun. Wear your best gear. Find your lucky rabbit's foot. Get your favorite drinks, food, whatever. Make it a good time. It's going to be a good game. Fingers crossed. With that being said, guys, I will talk to you later next week.